0: You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church and the world today.
1: Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am your co-host, PJ, along with my sidekick, Matt Shiles. Matt? Hey, you got a magic, Orlando Magic. I do up with you. I do. So which you always have a different mug, usually, but it's usually one of the Starbucks You Are Here mug collection. It is, it is yeah. So Kaylee actually made this
0: She made it for me. She had one of her friends make it on like a cricket machine. Wow, that's cool. And I've been a Magic fan, you know, born and raised uh, in the Central Florida area. Okay. I've been a Magic fan since before Shaq and Penny. Bef- wow, even before? I remember Nick that Anderson, dynamic duo. Nick Anderson, 3D, all the I don't think guys.
1: the Magic have, have been good since then. We had we had a you few had, years. You had a few years, okay. Dwight Howard and those guys, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, always always see your mug because I do like the You Are Here collection mug because I collect those. And I have mugs. I have a lot of mugs, so I always like seeing which ones you have. So on our
0: trip to, I don't know if this happened for you, but on our trip to Egypt, we had a layover in in Paris, and I got a France one.
1: Okay. Oh, uh, well, I got, yeah, I got the uh, I got the Paris one. I didn't you get did, both. Okay. Yeah, I got Great. the Paris one, not the France. But I was really disappointed that the. Egyptians did not have their you are here mug available in any of the Starbucks that we went to. How many Starbucks did we go to? Oh, I mean at least 6, you know, I mean like, yeah, 6 like or specifically 7 specifically
0: for that purpose. We didn't get coffee
1: everywhere no. every time, but yeah, we kept going. Cuz they do have them, but it was something about the export and I don't know, but that's what they kept on saying and I'm like, "Man, So we have to go back just to get a mug. (laughs) I'm just kidding. If anybody out there, uh, you know, thinking, Pastor Josh, he's going to waste the church's money going to get... No, no, I promise. That is not why we would go. That will just be part of the mission. That would be part of the mission. (laughs) Absolutely. Well,
0: we are in our Empowered series. Um, We're continuing in Acts, and this was the church in Antioch. We talked about... um, A goat
1: church. (laughs) It's always, it sounds so funny when, when, yeah. I mean, every time I would say it to myself, I'm thinking, that's so, like, yeah. It's interesting. Goat church. Like, if somebody just heard that out of context, like, yeah. What are they talking about? (laughs) They raise goats, (laughs) kind of like goat yoga. (laughs) So that's a thing. So maybe, yeah. Have you done that? No, I've not done goat yoga. I just remember seeing it. Yeah. Years ago when I was watching a episode of Amazing Race, and so they had like goat yoga, and I'm like, is that really a thing? So the goat church. So they raise goats there. What do they do? They like sing praise and worship songs while they're like, you know, milking a goat? I mean, I have no idea. No. (laughs) All right. I digress. I'm sorry. Get me back on track there, Matt.
0: So this was weekend May 6th and 7th, and we were in Acts 11, 19 through 30, and also Acts 13, 1 through 3. Our main point was a goat church is God's people participating in his mission. Mm. And our outline, we asked three questions. So who participates in God's mission? Uh, What do they do um, to participate in God's mission? And finally, how do they effectively participate in God's mission? So let's start by talking about that idea of greatest of all time. Yeah, you uh, you had some fun with us this weekend because you put up some pictures. Yep, and it was hilarious because you gave us a disclaimer at the beginning and you said we can't boo. <laughs> and when you said that, I immediately thought of Tom Brady. I go, oh, he's going to put up Tom Brady, and I know
1: people are going to boo. Uh, and what did you do? I booed. Yeah. So I I broke my own my own set of rules. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And the reason why, just so that you know, the reason why I'm not a fan of Tom Brady is because, obviously, I'm a fan of Peyton Manning. Yeah. And Tom Brady just got in Peyton Manning's way. Just yeah. a little too much. So yeah, that that's it. He hey, he's, a, he's a great football time. player. He's a competitor. I... Respect that. Yeah, but no, he got in Peyton Manning's way. He did. So, <laughs> so very serious question for you: Tiger or Jack? I, I, well, so I, I love Jack. Yeah. I, I think he will. I really do think that he's probably the greatest of all time. Yeah. Uh, he was able to do it for so long. Yeah. Now, Tiger. He's right up there, obviously with him, greatest of all time. But he did more for the game to grow it internationally. Yeah. And if his if he if his body, in which he's had a lot of surgeries, and now with the car wreck, and not like I I don't know, you know, he's not been a because of his body, Mm -hmm. he's he's not going. It doesn't look like it now. If he comes back and. You know, at uh, if he's a, if he could be able to do what Phil Mickelson did right. at 50 and 51, that's a whole nother story. So for me, it's more about the longevity. Mm. But what he was able to do for the amount of time he did, he will definitely go down as the greatest of this generation and the greatest of all time for growing the sport. Like whoever is in the sport today and they having the purses, the the winnings that they are, you can thank Tiger for that. Right. But in terms of the golf, yeah, I really do think Jack will go down as the you know because he did it for so long. Yeah,
0: it's a fascinating debate anytime we we try to do this because it's different eras. But um, we got to see Tiger in his prime. Yeah, right. So anytime you can see somebody at
1: the top of their game doing what they're able to do, it's just fascinating. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, yeah. I, I loved watching him. I you know, and even now, like whenever he's in a tournament you you are watching yeah. and to be able to say that i've seen him in person multiple times that will that will always be meaningful yeah maybe the most surprising one of all the slides was the mickey mouse and bug's bunny <laughs> that was surprising and I somebody yeah I, somebody told me well it's because we're just tired of we're, we're tired of disney and mickey and i'm like oh 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 well okay but 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 it's not mickey's fault <laughs> like you know
0: you know that's actually joe curtis said that he said it's because floridians are mickeyed out
1: and he made a prediction he said you will get that way i'm gonna get that way you will get mickeyed out that's what he said i I don't know i like i'm just yeah but i know the story of mickey so that's where like maybe if i knew the story of bugs and and believe me i'm i'm always wanting to learn but I i mean like it it's just a fascinating story how Mickey got started. I mean, Mickey saved Walt. <laughs> so I, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was strange. Bugs Bunny. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously the two biggest, like, fictional characters, I thought about putting, like, Marvel or mm-hmm. DC comic, but I'm like, you know, I, I could go all morning or all evening could with these things. Harry Potter, right? Disney yeah. versus Universal, so... <laughs> I could, yeah. I could have done a lot of things, yeah. I guess. So I'm like, well, let's see. Uh, I, I I was shocked to see that very few people really voted yeah. on the Iron Chef thing. Like it was very silent. It was very silent. Yeah. So when LA, people a lot of people don't watch Iron Chef. Yeah. And then I heard that some people, in a you know, in a funny way, they were offended that I said I'm doing this for the women. I'm like, well, but I don't know. I've never not run across very many guys that watch the Food Network. They may be you might be you, out I there. I bet you did after this weekend. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one, no, no one came up to me and said, man, I watch the Food Network, man? That's awesome." Uh, no, I, I had, yeah, I had somebody offended that I said it was women. There you go. So,
0: so something else before we we dig in that that you did mention that I want to bring up is the chosen. Yeah. Um, so so you just started watching the chosen. I am through season one now. Isn't it amazing? You you brought up the, the conversation with Nicodemus.
1: Yes. I brought up Goodness. and then I just finished the first the first season ends with the woman at the well. And yeah, I mean it's it, a it, remarkable scene. It is. And I love like and this is part of where I love the arts and drama. Mm and that yes when when you are reading through the scriptures and and yes there there is some margin for some interpretation for the drama to play out mm. But they are true. Like he's Jesus is, you know, the the guy who's depicting Jesus. He's quoting, and but he's he's you know also in, injecting some things that would kind of move a conversation too. Yeah. And so it is. It's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things that I keep thinking about though, and I'll go ahead and share it on extra takes, is Pastor Gus and I uh, last week we sat down with the travel agent for us to take a group of Northlanders who would want to. We have about a hundred spots available right now. So when we when we make it live there'll be a hundred spots, but we're going to do a journey is what we're calling it next year from from Egypt to Jerusalem, so basically from Cairo to Jerusalem, we're gonna call it the Exodus to the promised land journey. Mm. And so the the thing that I, I keep playing over in my mind, is I can't wait to get there and actually see these places where not only, obviously, I've read about, but now watching The Chosen, yeah. this drama is depicting. Yeah. And so I'm very, very excited about that. That's awesome. So stay tuned, okay. Northland family. More uh, in some more info will be coming out in the next month.
0: Yeah, that that's really exciting. And for me, one of those scenes that's so memorable that I go back to is when, um, when Jesus calls Matthew. Mm-hmm. And you can, I mean, he's in the tax collector's booth. And no one liked Matthew. Oh, Peter didn't like Matthew. <laughs> Peter goes, you don't understand, right? <laughs> you don't understand, Jesus, who he is. Right, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it was remarkable to see the change in Matthew, Yeah, right, from being timid just to being like sure and mm. bold. Um, I
1: haven't got there, man. You ruined it for me. No, no, no. In the first, in the first season, he's like not. Like episode three. No. He's still, still a little timid. Uh-oh. Really? Yeah. He
0: hasn't been called yet. Wait, no, he's been called. Yeah, yeah that when he's been when he was well, called. Yeah, he, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was the scene okay. when he was called out of the tax collector. Oh, that. Well, thing. that, Just that in yeah. That moment. He right. Was, he he's was like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I, yeah, I love the one about. Well, I love the scene Nicodemus. He should have went, but he didn't. But he gave them money. Yeah. And so, um, but because it depicts the the cost of yes. following Jesus, and right at that point, he he could not. Yeah. really pulled the trigger of following him at that point. Yeah. And so anyways, like, yeah, it's it's been great. So I love it.
0: It's awesome.
1: And I have no idea. I have to talk to Donna to see, all right, what, like, where, where did this come from that, you know, we can be, we, we, you know, we can be put in for all expense paid. Like, why why wasn't I part of that? You know, like, anyways, so, <laughs> no, that's great.
0: So let's dig into those three questions. Yeah. Um, Actually, before we get there, just just in general, this idea of a goat church, because mm-hmm. when we think about those lists, and, and when we t- think about the Greatest of all, All-Time conversation, it was either two or three or even six. Um, and my question to you is, is, could it be that the goat church list could be more than just one, two, or six, but actually hundreds or thousands of churches? Um, oh, yeah. Because I was just considering... You know, only in God's economy could that happen because we think the the goat is the the upper echelon, just a few. But in God's economy, um, based on your definition, there could be
1: there could be thousands. There, well, yeah. So so think about so and and, and I actually thought through that, uh, and again, it didn't make the didn't make the message. But if you look at how we measure. Even what I had put on the the screens, yeah. right? If we start measuring who would constitute one of the greatest of all times, we're looking at their stats. Yeah, and the reason why they're in that conversation is because they were above the rest. Mm. And, and so again, even take or so so in, a, in the, let's just say in a professional category, you you have the average, mm-hmm. you have the above average, and then you have the elite. Mm so these, these players that are part of the greatest of all time conversation, they are the elite of, of those who are extremely great. Sure, yeah. And so now when you think about the greatest churches of all time, yes, you're basically, you're, if, if you want to be part of that conversation as a church, then what you're doing is that you're raising what the average would be. And so, because because we know what, it, in some sense, an average church is just, I mean, I don't want to get it, because I, I feel like I would be putting down churches, and I don't want to do that. But but here's what I do know, is that a, the longer a church is in existence, the further removed they are from the community, and thus God's mission. The older a church is, the harder it is for them to reach people far from Jesus, um, and, and, and that is part of what it means to be a, a, a great church. And so that's where I would – I'd love for more and more churches to be in the realm of, of a goat church, yeah. an elite church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and an elite church is just, again, what we talked about yeah. is simply God's people yeah. participating in God's mission. Yeah. But if you look at history, it's, it's easier said than done. Yeah, like even Jerusalem. Now think about it. I mentioned the Jerusalem Church, and they participated in in God's mission in that way, but they actually would not be considered a goat church mm. because it was hard for them to send missionaries. Mm. Um, I, they they did not intentionally send missionaries, mm. um, and so and when you look at many of the when you look at the 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 early church in Jerusalem. They question a lot of God's God's movement among the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they take Acts 15. Um, they, they actually wanted to squat. I mean, now, there's this huge Jerusalem council... Mm-hmm. But it was all about what God was doing among the Gentiles. I mean, they had a really hard time with that. Right. So mm. that's where I mean, uh, I, again, like even the Jerusalem Church would not have really be considered. Again, from from what we see in Scripture, mm. uh, part of that goat conversation. It it's really what we see mm. at, at Antioch. Um, so so yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. So. Digging into that first question, who participates in God's mission? Um, And you laid out this idea of ordinary believers, uh, the mother church, encouragers like Barnabas, and uh, people who have have had radical transformation like Saul. Um, So throughout this conversation, there's some weeks that I'll have you know more questions, and other weeks I'll have um, more quotes. This week, I just have a lot of quotes, so I'll kind of lay okay. out the quote yeah. um, that I heard and just just let you um, pick it up from there. Okay. So um, in terms of the ordinary believers, the principle we saw was the faithfulness of the unknown to make the faith known is the key ingredient to make a great church.
1: Yeah, and I, I really do hope people digest that one because I, I believe that we all— innately we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves we want to be part of something great i mean james and john had this yeah ha- had this desire hey we, we want to sit on your right and your left hand we want to be great in your kingdom yeah and jesus talks about well if you want to be great in my kingdom uh, you you must serve Mm. And, and so, in some sense, and then you know, Jesus also is the one who's saying, "Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing." So, in some sense, don't make it known. Yeah. So, if you really want to be great in the kingdom of God and you want to be part of a great church, then it really will be the unknown mm-hmm. making Jesus known mm. through how they serve. Now, again, and, and then if you take that group, you know, that I listed out, like them, the Church of Jerusalem, Barnabas, and Saul. And then you look at the four C's. Mm -hmm. Now, again, you have to understand that all all of those who were part of the church were engaged in all of those realms. Mm -hmm. So, And that's why I kind of broke it down the way I did is that I want you to know it's them, Mm -hmm. but it's them that's part of the four C's. Now, yes, you have Barnabas and Saul that's encouraging, but eventually Barnabas and Saul would leave. So who who would take up well that's where you saw that list mm-hmm. you know some some of the guys that were on that list you know in Exodus, or Exodus, mm-hmm. Acts chapter 13 they took up right. you, you know once once they you know sent Paul and and Barnabas out so but it is it's it's the unknown mm-hmm. um and, and that's why we we are we're, we're encouraging people who are part of Northland to not just attend but, but, to serve,
0: yeah.
1: to teach, yeah. to to lead, um, you, you know, because we know that our capacity for mission will really be determined on our ability to see to to see people come, be recruited, trained, developed, and engaged in ministry. yeah, yeah. so, so again, yeah, this is huge. It's such, a, uh,
0: it's such a countercultural message. It's kind of a funny thing to hear when you say, you know, encouraging us, um, we want you to be unknown, right? Because <laughs> we want to be known, yeah. right? We want to make a name for ourselves. I mean, that's Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Let us make a name for ourselves. Yeah. And what do we see in the next chapter? No, it's for God's name to be great, right? So, yeah. Um, what I take from that is this idea of uh, God, let us be unknown so that you can be known.
1: Yeah. I mean, it goes back to John the Baptist. Let me decrease so that he may increase. Yeah. And that, that really is the essence of, of gospel ministry. Yeah. Like, sure, as the senior pastor, I'm going to be known at Northland. Yeah. But, but just because I'm known doesn't mean that it's a great church. Right. But the more the unknowns... Really want to make Jesus known, the more that that church becomes great in the eyes of God, mm. uh, because we we really are coming together as a bunch of mm. unknowns, mm. again, in, in the in the world's eyes, mm. to make the one who is most important known, mm. um, and 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 until you actually, and this is this may, may be a, a good thought too, is that. Until you, until we embrace the the unknownness mm. of our own selves, and embrace the desire to make Him known, will we ever get involved in a church to the degree that the Bible calls us to get involved? <laughs> because again, it goes back to the reason why we exist as the church is to make him known and as as we know him more we become more like him and as we know him more and become more like him he becomes more known <laughs> yeah, yeah. and when you have when you have more and more people doing that then the the, the church is elevated mm-hmm. in a way because they're just wanting to make Jesus known and Jesus says if i be lifted up I will draw people unto me. I mean, so so again, it just it, they're all. It's all connected to this idea of making him known. Yeah. So, and, and then yeah, you you see how. That, that, that he's going to be made known really through the vehicle of them, the, the church, but also with key leaders in the church like the encouragers, the, the Barnabases, uh, the, 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 the teachers, those who are really engaged in vocational ministry. Because I would say that Barnabas, it, it, at least from what I know of Barnabas, he seems to be the, this wealthier guy uh, who is able to sell land, give it to the church, Seems like he's older, mm-hmm. and that he's really just engaging the church. He's serving the church really as a lay person, mm-hmm. um, and Saul is going to really engage the church more as this vocational mm-hmm. person because of God's call on his life. That that God in Acts nine called him. Mm-hmm. To be an instrument for him to the Gentiles and the Jews, so uh, so Saul's going to make it. And again, he he's younger than than Barnabas, and, and so you, we need everybody. We need them engaged in ministry. Uh, if you're a younger church, you really do need a mother church walking alongside of you, sending people to help. Yep. You do need older. Believers who are encouragers who can exhort, and then you do need the the Sauls, those who are going to be, you know, with you and teach you, and to, to really be vocationally in that in that leadership position. And so, I, I think that's a really good you know kind of an, um, uh, grouping uh, of categories that we would need in churches. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's great. And then under Saul, you said, the object that tries to obstruct God's mission can be transformed into an instrument that instructs God's mission. Um, and you got pretty excited about this point. And I know at the 9 and the 11, you mentioned this. You, you spoke directly um, to the Bridges of America and Seminole County Jail. Yeah. Um, the men and women there, yeah. and you said one of these days we will have multiple of you on staff yeah. at
1: North End. Yeah. Well, so Saul, he, you know, he he applauded. He oversaw the killing of Stephen. Yeah. Now he didn't get ar- he didn't get arrested for that. Yeah. But it was it was something that even affected him that many scholars would say. Hmm. But but if you but if you think about. What when he was transformed, he looks back on it and goes, "Oh my gosh, like I can't, can't, can't believe I did that." So the reason why I was speaking to bridges of American, our you know our brothers and sisters in the Seminole County jails is I'm sure that you look back and go, "Man, I w- I blown it. I wish I wouldn't have done that." Yeah. But I want you to know yeah. that God can use you, even though you thought you've blown it. And then when, when I'm really trying to unpack Saul, that he was an, ob, he was an object trying to obstruct God's mission, th- that is really what we are when we are sinful. We are trying to obstruct God's mission. Mm. Uh, because again, God is on mission to redeem a people from all peoples, to reflect his glory, his characteristics, his attributes, and his nature in all spheres of life. And as a lost person, as someone who is not saved, as someone who does not follow Jesus, if you're if you're not if you're not living for the lord you're living against him you either for him or you're against him mm. there really is no neutrality neutrality is still opposition mm. and so that's where you want a church full of sauls those who were once far away right. those who were once blowing it uh, those who once were being zealous about every – even if they thought they were being zealous – again, this is the thing about Saul, he thought he was being zealous for God. Yeah. But he was actually opposing God in his zealousness. Mm. And, and so God radically transforms him. And so I love to see a church full of Saul's. They once were lost, living for hell – and now they really are living for heaven in this official capacity on staff. Mm. And then that's where I wanted to really speak to, to those who are are in these, these spaces in life where they might be tempted to be down on themselves. Mm-hmm. Just know that God can take you where you are, transform you into a... A person that you would not even have recognized, mm. but use you for the glory mm. of His name, and and so I just hope I really wanted to really be in an encouragement and, and and really kind of connect that He killed somebody, even though He didn't, He wasn't sent to prison, yeah. you know, for it, but mm. God through through His, you know, through the through His life radically saved him and put him on a different trajectory. So who instigated yeah. the, the persecution yeah. where they scattered is now yeah. on staff at the church that was birthed from his persecution of the church. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, so he became a persecutor of the church now to a preacher in the church. And I'm like, listen, that that only God can do that. Only God. Amen. Yeah,
0: it is remarkable to think about one that obstructs then ends up instructing and being so instrumental. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's powerful for all of us. I mean, we can, um, uh, I think last week or a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, we, we don't consider the weight of our sin. Yeah. You know, the, the more we consider the weight of our sin, the, the more that point will really resonate with all of us. Yeah. Right? Not just some of us, but all believers should really resonate with Saul. Yeah. Um in, in his transformation. Mm. Um so the next point, what do they do to participate? We laid out the four C's. I thought this was was awesome, an awesome way to really cast that vision of, of uh why the four C's and, yeah. and why it's biblical. Um you you laid out, you know, all the countries. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. So yeah. Um, so when you asked Pastor Gus to, to do that a couple of days ago, this was a list that Pastor Gus and I, you know, we sat down, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and I just took out the 195 countries, and we just went down the list. Do you know this person? Do you know, the, do you know someone from this country? Yeah. And he would name names, right? Wow. Yep, this person, this person. Um, and if anybody could do that, you know, in this church, it would be Pastor Gus. Um, but undoubtedly, any time you, you start naming names— you know, you have a chance to uh, to miss some people, and I think we added a couple countries throughout the. the oh, we weekend. did. So we, we got about forty five now. So I, I bet we're over fifty. Okay. Uh, that's just <laughs> my gut because I bet you know when we think about the uh, the unknowns, yeah. I bet there's some unknowns. There's probably yeah um, yeah. So that's remarkable. Forty five that we can name. Forty five that we can name. Yeah. Yep. Um, and and that really. Gets into that next part about um, the – how do you pronounce that? The Christianos. Christianos. This yeah. idea of the party of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and you said if you make church and the expressions of worship only about one kind of party, your party will always be so much smaller than the
1: party of Jesus. What What can we learn about that? I think there's a lot of things that we can, can learn – but the fir- the first thing and i would say first and foremost don't make church about you. Mm. Don't make it about your style, your preferences, what you like, what you don't like. Now again, we we have those and again, i'm not saying that they're yeah. in and of themselves are bad. I have yeah. preferences. I have a style. Yeah. And that's easier said than done. It's easier said than it done. It happens I, unintentionally. It happens on un- it happens on yeah. un- that's why i'm saying first and foremost just you're always saying church is not about me. Mm. Because what typically happens is, if you make church about you, then you start gravitating to the places or, or the people that are just like you. Like there, there's this yeah. there's this book that I read, and it's not even again, it's not even a Christian book, but it's called The Big Sort. It's yeah. bought by Bill Bishop, and it's talking about basically how people in the West, people in America, tend to group around who they identify with yeah. in a an homogenous way. Mm-hmm. These are people that look like me, talk like me, uh, similar socioeconomic status than me. Mm-hmm. And, and again, what, what then what you start creating in that regard is factions. And so it's very much like the Divergent series. You know, they had five factions, yeah. and don't ask me to quote all of those factions. I actually like the series, but again, in all of these factions, they were the same, same kind of person. Right. You wore the same thing, you did the same thing, all of that. But it was the Divergence mm. that had a little bit of all of these. Mm. And they can, you know. And so when it comes to what the gospel is doing, the gospel doesn't create factions. It creates a new family, a new race, and so, therefore, you bring in your your diverse expressions, and you make them part of. So, think about a, a mosaic picture. Yeah. So you have all of these little tiles. Yeah. That are unique and different, and when you just look at them, now could you imagine if all you, you yeah like they're 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 confusing? Mm. Are they But when you put them all together. Mm. Then it's this beautiful picture. Mm. Well, that is the church. So you're taking all these different expressions, Mm. these styles, uh, styles of dress, styles of music, and you're, you're bringing them together to celebrate the diversity. Yeah. And and I know that it really is. It's easier said than done because the New Testament church had a hard time doing it. Yeah, that's why Antioch once again would be classified as this goat church. They somehow they were able to do it. Like I read that list, mm-hmm. and, and somebody kind of laughed at me when I was reading that list in just chap, chapter thirteen. But we we see that Barnabas, Simeon called Niger. So so we we have Barnabas, uh, Simeon. Uh, he, he's black, so he's he's from Africa. And then we have Lu- Lucius of Cyrene and uh, Manaean. Uh, he's royal, you know. He's like, you know, he was friends with Herod the tet- Tetrarch, and then Saul. Uh, so you have uh, you have whites, you have Jews, mm. and you have Middle Easterners, and you have you have a black man mm. in leadership, mm. right there. Mm. It's like I don't know how you. I mean, at that point in time, that's pretty diverse for all of them, all of them to come together and be called the leadership. Yeah, of the church, yeah. and so, so they were, and, and that's that's so important because when you think about the diversity coming together in in a leadership, they help. They, they help move the church to understanding the differences of, of culture, you know, cultural expression as they worship Jesus. Mm. And, and so it really does help. Mm. Um, and that's why in this – and there's this conversation in the church today called multi, the multi-ethnic church. Mm. And it, it, many people talk about how difficult it is for a church to be multi-ethnic. Mm. And many people in this conversation always talk about that if you really do want to be a multi-ethnic church, then at some point you have to embrace the discomfort Mm. because there might be a weekend where, okay, the songs that we sang or the way we did this just really wasn't your cup of tea, but wait till the next week. And one of the things that I feel like we're identifying now, when you start really listing out all of the various nationalities and then ethnicities that we have here that are English speaking, Mm -hmm. and then when you even take that are some, they're not. I mean, English isn't their first language. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to understand who we have here so that we can understand the multiple expressions that we would have. That that people would would want in order to worship the Lord in their heart language in their expression, mm. so and and that's hard, and that's where I, I would just ask people to to pray for us and to be patient for, with us as we really seek to discern the best way to lead a a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multinational church. Yeah, yeah. because it's not it's not easy. Yeah.
0: When you talk about multicultural, um, I, there was a new believer a couple months ago. He's from Turkey, and he drove by this church. He he recounted to me, he goes, I was driving by this church the other day, and it was multicultural. And he thought it it said on the church, multicultural church. And he thought it was the funniest thing ever. He goes, that's so redundant. Yeah. Because he's reading scripture, and he's just, he's just assuming every church would be multicultural.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just an assumption for him, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and well, and think of, gosh, and I mean, you get into a lot of sociological discussions on here. But when I say multi ethnic, I want you to think about the layers of ethnicity mm-hmm. in just a in a country. Mm-hmm. So they can be in a country, but you might have multiple, you know, ethnicities because when you start pulling, you know, kind of start looking at the layers of of ethnicity, it could be it could be tribe, mm-hmm. it could be language. It can be subcultures, okay? So take Caucasian. uh, When you start peeling back that layer, let's say in the U.S., you might just find most Caucasians speak English. Then if you pull out another layer, you might have a subculture of country, you might have a subculture of urban, so rural, mm-hmm, urban. Mm-hmm. You might have a subculture of country music mm-hmm. uh, versus R and B or rap. Yep. I am mean, like my kids are listening to rap and country. I'm like. That that's just I mean like it's weird um, I mean but you, so there's 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 layers to even culture you know beliefs values artifacts yeah, and artifacts is anything that we create so it could be music mm. it could be movies yeah. you, you know it could be I mean so artifacts it, it could be brand name shoes mm. or clothing yeah. so again some people might might they might be Nike people. Some people might be Adidas people. I mean, so again, when you have – there's so many layers to ethnicity. And so when you add it to the church realm, yeah. okay, so now we're bringing in uh, – each individual is bringing to the table who, who they are, what they like, their preferences, yeah. their, their mm-hmm. subcultures. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, that's why if we take our eyes off Jesus mm-hmm. – as being the most important focus Mm. of a church, then we will tend to group ourselves into smaller churches. Yeah, because when you put
0: it that way, unity is is impossible without Jesus. It absolutely
1: is, and that's a great way of saying it is. It, unity is. It, it, I mean, it really is. like we're, we're even seeing it as because one of the things about America, uh, we are, and people would say we're more divided than we ever been. You know, people even using the word, you know, cold civil war. And but if you think about what is the division around, it's a common center. Mm. Well, yeah. We don't have a common center anymore yeah. in, in, in America. Yeah. Uh, and, and have we ever? I mean, I, I think people would argue we have had in the past. Mm. Right now, we don't. Yeah. It, there is a complete different vision that, that multiple camps have. of what, And so, therefore, if there's a complete different common vision, well, then then there's nothing that really unites us. The church really... Uh, and if you think about other religions, and I, I was I was encouraging somebody this this week. I met someone on Saturday that told me that they're not a believer, but they really appreciated what I had to say. And that they're right now just studying other religions. I said, well, here's what I would really encourage you to do. I said, man, that's awesome. Be a learner. I said, but what you'll find about Christianity, what I talked about, there's no other religion on the face of planet Earth that seeks to do what Christianity can do. Which is to unite in in our diversity and celebrate our diversity. Yeah. Take Islam. Yeah. I mean, if you're really true to Islam, Islam is going to convert you to Islam, meaning everything, even culturally. Yeah. Uh, like, because people don't real, many people don't realize this, but but if uh, the Quran is translated into any other language, it's no longer the inspire. Like they don't see it as inspired, so it might be a, a commentary of the Quran. But if you really want to uh, be Islamic, you actually need to know the heart language. You learn Arabic. You read it in Arabic. Your prayers are in Arabic. Yes. That's not Christianity. Because, and this is what's so fascinating, is that you had Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully God, fully man. He, he, He was, again, he's the second member of the Trinity. He was Jewish. Because again, God God had established his covenant through the Jewish people, but he's Jewish, he speaks Hebrew, yet the Bible is written in Greek. And, and why, why was it? And it was actually written in Koine Greek, mm-hmm. which was the common street language of the day. Meaning, it was like the Message Bible. It, it, it tried to, it tried to, you know, strip through formal language, mm-hmm. academic language, to make it accessible to the common mm-hmm. Gentile in the known world. Mm-hmm. And and um, and so that that's. I mean, why? Well, and then here's another thing. This is a beauty. This is why. This is why. I mean, again, Christianity is different than any other religion. So, at the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, God confuses their language. Now they they speak various languages because they 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 wanted to show God how. How great they were, not how great he was. So they built the city for their namesake, built the tower into heaven, just to say, look at look at us. Well, in Acts chapter two, you have now these God, you know, basically you have these um, uh, well Jews from all over. It's called the diaspora, for them being scattered out. Uh, they're speaking other languages because they are now from all of these different parts of the world. But for Passover, they're coming into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Well, the Spirit falls, and as the apostles begin to speak, then the language, so they're speaking more than likely Hebrew, but as they're speaking Hebrew, it's falling on the ears of these Jews from other parts of the world that speak another language in their heart language. What is that saying? Is that God is a multilingual God who wants to put the good news that He is making all things new through His Son, Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection, into the heart language of the nations. Mm. So he's celebrating their diversity. He's celebrating their language. And then at the very end uh, of the Bible, in Revelation 20, 21, and 22, when you see the nation streaming in mm-hmm. and bringing their stuff and land, what many scholars would say it's their cultural expressions. Yeah. This is what we've done. This is this is you know this is what we are gifted in. This is uh, this is what we've done with our hands, and we're 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 laying it down to at your feet as a tribute to bring glory. Glory to you, and so that's the beauty of the body of Christ: is that we, Christianity, is the only religion that celebrates mm. the the unity, or it celebrates the diversity mm. of people in this unified body. Amen. So, oh, well said. Oh man, that's I so, get excited so about powerful. that. Yeah, well, you should. Yeah, I mean, I really do. I get excited about that. But I know. But again, I want to go back to it's stinking hard. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible and, without Jesus. It, there's this,
0: there's this yeah. uniqueness in the desire for unity through diversity. Yeah,
1: and you know, what, one of the ways that we can, and I, I forget you, you wrote down your original question, and maybe you can repeat that, but, um, but one, of the, one of the ways that we do it is through sitting down and listening mm. and, and hearing from one another. Mm. Um, be, because I, the only way I'm going to understand my brothers and sisters, let's say, who are African-American or who come from Puerto Rico or who grew, who grew up in Venezuela, mm-hmm. uh, the only way I'm going to really understand kind of their heart language of expression is if I listen to them mm-hmm. and if I hear from them. Mm-hmm. And so that's why all of us, yeah. regardless of where we come from, regardless yeah. of our background, part of pursuing unity and diversity is actually sitting down at the table And hearing from one another and getting to know one another, which then goes back to the encouragement part of participating in the ministry of encouragement. Yeah. Is that it's hard, it's hard to exhort someone and tell them what they need to know, even though they don't want to, even though they don't want to hear it. Yeah. It's hard to do that outside the context of relationship. Yeah. So. That was free, because I know we haven't gotten to incur you know encourage them. I don't know if we'll get to it, but but the, again, they all work hand in hand they're not separate they're they're a web, yeah. The four cs are a web, yeah, so yeah
0: yeah, and I have a lot of thoughts on that. I know we have to move on, but if if your desire is to do that, what Pastor Josh was talking about, start with food, you know you do it over a table. Um, people bond over food in a way that just kind of breaks down barriers and it's a way to share your cultural, yeah. your culture, your heritage with others and naturally questions just come up about How you grew up and what this means for your culture and everything. Food is just a wonderful place to start.
1: It is, and if you think about the diversity of food, you know, because I use that as the example. But remember, like when we were in Egypt and we were meeting with the leadership at at KDC, like they were so excited to share their food with us. Absolutely, like because they were proud of their style. Of food and, and it was I, good. And I, I, I really did. I I I loved their food. I actually really really loved their food. And so that so think about if we had a potluck with all of these different eth- ethnic groups and national nationals coming to bringing their their best dish. Think of how much richer yeah we would be in that in that regard. Yep well that's the expression of worship yeah, I love it. and so so just be and maybe the last thing is don't look down on someone because they worship different than you do now again we don't worship a different god mm. uh, we don't have different theology cuz again that, that, we're not talking about the we're not talking about is jesus lord or not no i mean they believed yeah in the the primary doctrines of the christian faith mm. it was these these when i say tertiary elements of of the practice of of their faith and the expression of their worship mm. um, th- that may have been different yeah. um and so so that's where i'm like don't look down on somebody because they don't raise their hands right. don't look down on someone you know don't don't get mad and upset because they don't sing your song now yeah. again uh, we want to grow in that but but be careful of how you start viewing mm. people who have these different expressions of worship and that that will that will help in the development of a more unified multi-expression driven church well said so let's
0: move on to that the third question how do they effectively participate you talked about the hand of the lord and the importance of that you said the hand of the lord isn't on his church because of his church's hands do great things it's because our hearts long for the Lord to do great things right the importance there is um, it's not because the church does great things right it's not what the church does it's where the church's heart is um, and in that conversation you also talked about fasting and prayer so I know you wanted to to talk about that a bit you were um, you were honest and vulnerable and said hey I I was. I've really been convicted in this area. So you, can you talk a little bit more about uh, that conviction with uh, with fasting and and just this idea?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, yeah. Before I I touch base on that, I, the the hands and the heart thing is really really important because I believe churches in America tend to be more Martha driven mm-hmm. than Mary driven. Mm-hmm. We just got to go do 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 do. Yeah. And again, that that's great. We have a heart. We have a heart to serve with our hands. But but if but if you don't have a heart to hear, and, and a heart to beg Jesus mm. for what we actually need, then what, what what tends to happen is that we exercise ministry and mission more in our own power, what we can do with our hands, than in the power of God. And so, never forget that. Like we need, we need God's hand on us. We don't need Josh's hand, and need Matt's hand, Gus's hand, Derwin's hand. We don't need Renee or Pauline's hand. Yeah. We don't need Kim's. Like we don't need. Like I mean, I can start. We don't need. That's not the touch we need. We need the hand of God to touch us. So I, I you know, anytime I can stress that. I want to stress it. Again, it doesn't mean that we don't serve, doesn't mean that we don't use our hands to serve, yeah. but if we but but if but if that's what drives us, mm. then we will actually miss the heart of God. And so because we actually need to beg him for his heart and his hands to use our hands. Oh, so so um, it's so important, it, you know, and that's an that's an
0: ongoing thing.
1: Well, it has to be a constant reminder. It has course. to. Well, and so, and I've, and actually bring that. I really do bring that mindset into my preaching, and I think that's why sometimes I get so caught up into, like, I, like I don't even think about my when I say like in the moment preaching. I, I just want God to use me, so I'm constantly begging Him. I, I want to decrease. I want you to increase. I just want to be a mouthpiece. I want to step to a side, you know. So, I mean, I really, and that that is how, I mean, I re, like, that's how I preach. Like, and if I started thinking, oh, I'm such a good preacher, I promise you, I literally had this, I mean, I have this thought, I mean, most of the time, um, is I'll create a framework or I'll create, it, when I say a framework or an outline, and I go, that wasn't me. Wow. Like, that wasn't me that that was him and I'll say thank you Jesus mm-hmm. like so because if I ever start thinking that I'm a great preacher Ooh. that look l- look at how I can look at a text and I can frame it out I have missed the boat on what God's called me to do yeah. he, you know be, because he's just he's just asked me for my availability n- n- not my ability say that again he's asked me for my availability not my ability mm. And so now, sure, has he given me abilities? But if I start to put my abilities before my availability, then I'll start making ministry about me and what I can do and how good I am. And so I I don't want to do that. So anything that I do, and I mean this, anything that I do from a pastoral standpoint, from an outline, uh, from, from a little pithy phrase, from an article that I would write for wisdom that I would spout out, and people go, man, that, that, that's not me. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's not me. Yeah. That's God's hand on me. Mm. And if I ever start thinking that it's me, God's hand will be released from me. Right. And and I don't want listen, I don't want that because I truly believe that if God's hand is on us, we will do far more for his name's sake than we will ever do in our own power. Yeah. In our own hands. Yeah. So so that's why that that's huge. I mean that is that's why I stress that one. I mean I stressed it and so I'm obviously stressing it now in extra takes, but then it goes to the prayer and fasting, and so it's so funny. It's like I, you know, people were texting me, "Hey, let me know if you want to talk about fasting," and I'm like, I, "I appreciate it, and I'm going to talk to a few people." But listen, I know about fasting. I just have not made it a spiritual discipline, right? And, and there's some reasons for for that, and and it has been really. When I say uneducated, you know, really not as a lack of education on my part, and one of the reasons why I have not practiced it as a spiritual discipline is because I work out pretty significantly, mm. and so I I didn't I I, I I didn't know how to combine those. Now I'm actually reading resources that tell me how to combine them. Mm. Um, and and then like so, I know that fasting. So 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 think about so people would say, well, you know, why, you know, what, why do you fast? Well, well, f- well, fasting. What what Jesus tells us in Matthew nine, kind of fourteen through following, is that you had you had some people that came and asked Jesus why his disciples didn't fast. Mm and he said well because they have the bridegroom with them so basically he was saying hey that they, they, they got the groom with them that's me yeah. and so as long as they have the groom they don't need to fast but when when the groom leaves mm-hmm. then they will need to fast and so there's there's this instance there's the there there's this essence that uh, people like John Piper or Richard Foster would say that fasting is longing for the not yet kingdom of God. Mm. So so we're part of the already. It's it's broken in Hmm. because of Jesus's death and resurrection, but it's not fully. And it won't be fully here until Jesus comes back again. And then he fully sets it up. He makes it then new. And so so think about fasting. And and again, this is what I do know is that when you fast, and there's multiple types of fast, and I actually got a book. It's called Fasting for Spiritual Breakthrough, and it's by Elmer Towns. So Fasting for Spiritual Breakthrough by Elmer Towns, and it's non-biblical fast. And so... In this book, here's what here's what uh, uh, Dr. Towns, he talks about, is that there could be uh, the disciples fast, and that's fasting for freedom from addiction. It could be the Ezra fast, fasting to solve problems. It could be the Samuel fast, fasting to win people to Christ. It could be the Elijah fast, fasting to break crippling fears and other mental problems. The widow's fast, fasting to provide for the needy. The St. Paul fast, fasting for insight and decision-making. The Daniel fast, fasting for health and physical healing. Mm. Uh, John the Baptist fast, fasting for an influential testimony. And then the Esther fast, fasting for protection from the evil one. Mm. And then when you think about there's multiple ways that you, you can fast, you know, what he talks about is that there's a normal fast that is going without food for a definite period, the absolute fast, which allows no food or water at all, the partial fast, which could be the omission of certain foods or a schedule. So intermittent fasting would fit into a partial fast and a rotational fast that consists of eating or omitting certain families of foods for designated periods so it would be kind of like a Daniel fast. Mm-hmm. So I say all of the the different types of fast and the four big buckets of fast because when you fast you're going without. Mm-hmm. And so take about or so take it, you know take example the next 24 hours let's say we go without food. Then what we need to do, and we need to say, okay, why are we going to fast? And so, again, those nine different fasts, maybe it's for a besetting sin, and we're going to fast, uh, and as we fast, we're going to think about and pray for specifically this besetting sin that, that the kingdom of God would break into our lives in a powerful way by breaking the stronghold on this besetting sin. Mm. So when we're fasting for the next 24 hours, there's going to be some hunger pains, Normally, we would fill our stomachs with food to satisfy mm. that hunger. But what fasting will do is saying, all right, so now we're going to substitute that hunger pain and we're going to feel it mm. with this, this, this prayer and this longing that God would, would fill us with power to break this. Yeah. Um, and so, and then again, for whatever fast that you, you know you, you're doing, and so that's why whenever you fast, there's always a purpose to that fasting, mm. and so that when you are doing without from that normal schedule, so let's say you're fasting from Netflix or you're fasting from TV, so when you would normal sit, when you would normally sit down and watch something, maybe you're going to go on a walk, and you're going to fill that time with begging the Lord mm. to. To meet you where you are, mm. and so again, like, but I've not made it a spiritual discipline. Mm. And and one of the reasons why, like, so so let me say this. Fast, and one of the things that I would say that I basically told myself over the years is, well, it's not mandatory. So let me let me reiterate, fasting is not mandatory. Now. Obviously, Jesus expected it, but it wasn't mandatory. So, when you look at what the church at Antioch did, they prayed and fasted, and then the Spirit of the Lord told them to set apart. Mm um and, and so uh, well they prayed and fast they placed their hands on oh so so they prayed and fast so so they were so the spirit of God had told them to set apart Barnabas and Saul but then when they had prayed and fasted they sent them out why would they pray and fast and sending them out because they wanted to send them out in the power move of God mm-hmm. it wasn't just a normal sending they mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that they prayed and fasted that God's power move mm-hmm. was was on the Saul and Barnabas as they were sent out to do ministry and mission. Mm. And so that so again, so fasting isn't mandatory, but it is expected. And so if you want to fast, and that's why I said, like, if you want to be a goat church, if you want to be, you know, in that discussion of one of the greatest of all time, and you <laughs> you want to effectively, effectively participate in God's mission, mm. then you will need the two. Mm. prayer and fasting Mm. and so that's where i was convicted yeah because yes i pray i have fasted fasting isn't a spiritual discipline yeah but if i really want to tap into the unbelievable power of god i actually need to discipline myself in this really extraordinary way which but but here's the other part of it though and I'm reading again a non-Christian book called "Outlive: The Science and Art of of Longevity," and it's talking about how to. And I may have mentioned this on on the on on extra takes before, yeah. but it's talking about how to extend the quality of your life. And this week, no lie, I'm in a chapter that talks about the health benefits of fasting and intermittent fasting. <laughs> And he talks about this, and he's again, he's not a believer he's not a believer. I, like believe me, he's not a believer. And he talks about how you need to give your body, your cells, rest from an over excess of 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 digesting the food that we eat. Huh. And I'm thinking that yeah. only stands to reason yeah. that if we're supposed to give our bodies a Sabbath yeah. rest from work, it would only stand to reason that we would give. Our 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 digestive system rest to recover of all and then as we give our digestive system rest to recover we're filling that with the longing for God's kingdom to break through our life mm. and so I'm like well good night Lord all right so so I was reading that then I'm studying Acts 11 and I'm like. All right, you've sold me, and so uh, so one of the things that I'm I'm actually starting to do right now the the first step because again when when you start to and, and we'll actually probably talk about some of this stuff in our series coming out later this year Iron Faith in, in the fall okay but when you start to when you start to introduce a new discipline in your life don't go from zero to hero okay. <laughs> Don't say Man, I'm going to do a seven-day fast. No, sucker, just start okay. with a seven-hour fast. How about that one? <laughs> so, uh, like, so, so what I'm actually going to start doing now is I'm I'm going to actually do intermittent fasting, but I'm actually going to do it with intentionality Mm. because I actually do that to a degree already, but I'm actually going to make it a discipline in my life that I'm going to do intermittent fasting. Mm. And so what I've done is obviously I've gotten a couple of books to uh, one spiritual uh, books and guidance on, on intermittent fasting and then obviously books on fasting, knowing what it is. But then also other books that tell me really the science of intermittent fasting, so that I can do it right. Yeah, Um, you know, so you know, I don't. I can also, and the reason why I do it right, so I can even optimize my body as well, Mm. because I do work out too. So, so again, I'm going to learn, but I'm going to introduce intermittent fasting because I'm already doing some of it because I'll I'll try not to eat past a certain time and then I won't eat like so I I already do that but I want to make it a discipline. Yeah. And so so that's where I'm going to start and then once I really start moving well and actually implementing that well then I'll take it to the next step. So that's how I'm tackling adding the spiritual discipline of fasting in my life. But again, part of that plan is, okay, so as I do the intermittent fasting, what am I pray what what am I seeking the Lord for? Mm-hmm. So, and it might be some different things, but but yeah, that that's what I'm going to do. And what I will be calling the church to is that later on this year we'll have another 24-hour prayer. So what we will be calling the the church to is not just 24 hours of prayer, but 24 hours of fasting so we're going to add we're going to add now fasting Great. to uh, the the list of spiritual disciplines that we're calling the church corporately to do as we seek the Lord for specific things and then though all of those things is God's people participating in his mission of who what they do and how they
0: do it amen you know you've talked about this before. Um, and I think this is just an example of, you know, you spending time with the Lord and it coming out in the way you preach. And just I appreciate the honesty and the way you're leading in this way. You feel convicted and
1: um, and it's coming out. Yep. And there's something that I wrote down coming up this weekend. And I know we're, we're I think we're about an hour in. But yeah. I did have somebody come up to me this weekend and they said, we just love extra takes. Awesome. Like we could listen to you all. Like, for hours on end, so we gave you an extra so, long. So we, episode. we, yeah. So, so th- th- this is for you. I won't call you out by name, so I don't want to embarrass you. And so, and, and if you're like, oh my gosh, this is so long, just listen to us at one point two five or one and a half times, <laughs> and it will be it will be just the same. I promise you, as far as That's length a wise, trick. yeah. yeah. Great trick, great trick, right? <laughs> and then if you wanted to listen to to me at like two two times, uh, you it would be as if I was speaking another language. So don't do that. But I actually wrote this down in my notes for this coming weekend and, and uh, sharing it with the senior staff. Because, again, I want the text to speak to, mm. to, to me as the pastor of how can we shepherd and pastor well. But we need to – and this is based upon what's coming up this week in okay. Acts 12. Okay. We need to have a directory and pray through the names of every person in our database and we need to field prayer requests and pray for them at all of our leaders' meeting and even elders' meetings. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we, we pray, and we, we do have a form that people fill out, and, and, and again, we have all of that. But but we actually need to make it a priority for us to actually spend time praying for people's specific needs. Yeah. And where that came out, and just to give you a little, a little heads up about what's coming, so Peter... Is going to be thrown in prison, and the church in Jerusalem will be praying for his release. Mm. And so his release is tied to not only God's sovereignty, mm. but their prayers. Mm. And so if we really want to see people released mm. from, from whatever is imprisoning them, mm. then we need to be praying for them by name. Mm. Um, and so it's not just enough to preach and to teach. Yeah, we need to be praying for you by name. And so I just want you to know, Northland, like we'll we'll figure out ways that we can do that better. I mean, again, we already have uh, you know prayer form o- online, and we have ways that you feel that. But I want you to know that as, as as the pastor, I want to be better at praying for specific needs during these times of meetings that we have. Um, but but again, that, that's right. I, I do. I, I
0: just want to. That's a great preview for this upcoming weekend, and I think that's a great place for us to end
1: today. Well, Northland family and friends, we love you. We are so, so grateful for you. So live as salt and light in your day-to-day life in all spheres. So in your relationships, in your vocation, in your stewardship, and then even in who you are. Love you. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow
0: us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.